Cahan is supported in part by Hilltop Broadband. Hilltop Broadband for residential and business wireless internet service. Servicing Salida and Poncha Springs in Chaffee County, as well as areas in Fremont County, Custer County, and more. To experience the Hilltop difference and request new customer information, email info at hilltop-broadband.com or call toll-free 877-783-2889. Cahan is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. Cahen and Little Red Hen, just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. Welcome, friends, to uh, On the Rails with me, your host, Forrest Whitman, here at KHEN 106.9 on the FM dial, or always as um, on iTunes. We often forget you iTunes listeners. We've got a couple of you here today, and we appreciate the iTunes hookup as well. And um, we're wanting to continue with our discussion um, with Mike Kunkel and Reed Dills uh, about the the possibilities of... uh, Oil trains uh, coming over uh, Tennessee. Well, the trains themselves wouldn't. Other freight that's moved over coming over Tennessee Pass while the oil trains themselves go through uh, through the Moffat Tunnel. And uh, that because of the recent approval of a 94-mile-long track from the uh, underground oily, waxy, oily, <laughs> waxy, oily, underground petroleum reserves um, in um, Utah to down to the main line of the Union Pacific, uh, which then runs that freight up over through the Moffat Tunnel and uh, all the way through the Denver uh, confusing metroplex and then gradually all the way down to the Gulf Coast where it gets refined. So that's, we've, that's, that's a quick overview of where we've been. But let's, gentlemen. Um, nice to have you here. Let's let's try to jump into this, some of these specific questions. How much does this affect the protection of the new federally designated area north of Salida? I don't know what where that area is. What do you know? What that means? Federally designated. Well, you're talking about Browns Canyon National Monument. Oh, yeah, that must be. Uh, that must be what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, please, please comment on that. Well, it affects it greatly. It's a quick answer to that. You, is that it, would that be your your feeling? Uh, well, that this comes from the Soloviev interview where he talked about um, open gondola cars, something like what the Cumbers and Toltec runs now, where the tourists would sit in the gondola. They would drive along until something of interest came up or ducks in the river or whatever, they would stop so people could then, you can't, they can't get out, but they could uh, take pictures of, of whatever 
is in there is that how would how would you guys that's your canyon brown's canyon my god you're in it all the time how would something like that affect you do you think i'll give you the short version and michael can give you the long version but the short <laughs> version is that um, a tourist train will not pay for rehabilitation of the of the rail line and so uh, it's not just a tourist train that's potentially going to happen. It's, it's a much greater uh, issue. And it's kind of, a, it's part of a mystery because we know the number of potential oil trains that would be going uh, to the Moffat Tunnel, but we don't at this point have any idea how the train going through Chafee County would be affected other than um, it's hard to make the case for rehabilitation and then, and then dealing with a lot of other issues when, when we really don't know what, what would happen. Uh, we do know that the folks that were proposing that were disingenuous, and um, but we knew that from the beginning. That's just the way the corporate world works. Michael, you got you might have some more specifics you might want to lay well, on. Well, um, as we um, touched about environmental review and regulations regarding any uh, railway, the Colorado um, Midland Pacific Railway Company, which is a subsidiary of the Rio Grande, which is this uh, railroad company, which is the same company that's building the Uinta Basin Railway, they um, asked for what's called a continuance exemption when, when they wanted to reopen the Tennessee Pass line. And they um, made that request um, on December 31st, New Year's Eve 2020. So railroads, as we can see, whether it would prefer not to have, <laughs> would have as little environmental regulation as possible, whether it's the rehab of the Tennessee Pass line or oil trains leaving Utah and coming through Colorado. Um, that being said, you know, I would be interested in... Browns Canyon National Monument, the, the, the vast majority of it is to the east of um, the Arkansas <clears throat> River. What would be impacted most by, regardless of what trains were coming through, um, would be the Arkansas River. And as Reed is a, not only a professional fisherman, also a professional raft guide, I mean, that's the perspective that I would like to hear from. You know, what is the rafting community, the fishing community, and even, um, uh, again, Reed served on multiple water boards. You know, would that have any impact on, on just water in general um, through, our, through our valley in this region? Well, until we know specifically what, what they're proposing, um, and we don't know that, um, it's hard to say. We, we do know that regardless of what's being transported, I think most people would agree, and some of my friends have even said, well, if we just had a tourist train, is, would you oppose that if that's the only thing was, that was out there? And um, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's probably not the only thing that's out there. So we don't know what's being transported. but. Um, we do know that <clears throat> we've got we've got two bighorn sheep herds. One, <clears throat> well, two in Browns Canyon and, and one down down the river uh, toward Parkdale that, that could be negatively affected by this. I mean, even now, they, I don't know what railroads park, parking rail cars down there at Parkdale, but they're basically keeping the sheep away from the river down there. So that's a problem. Um, the uh, the impact of the people who live along the river, uh, I can't, can you imagine 10 trains going through downtown Salida every day and all those people that, are, that build all those multi-million dollar homes uh, down there, they're not gonna be happy. 
so but there is there is an issue too um we are we are a tourist oriented area here and whether you're a boater or a fisherman you're pursuing a recreational aspect and that would Large numbers of trains would definitely degrade the experience of being in Chaffee County, whether you're fishing or whether you're floating. And um, when I was here earlier, years ago, uh, I mean, when we started rafting, there were basically one or two trains a day. And then, I don't know, it got bumped up to maybe forest members. Four or five trains a day was pretty much four, the max. Four or five, yeah. Yeah, and, and um, even that, I mean, was, well, Here's the big issue for for boaters and fishermen. You know, we're we're, we're all uh, we're we're using those tracks to get ourselves around. So whether you want to hike into a special part of the national monument, you wade across the river and you walk down the railroad tracks, and you know, that that that's going to end if we have trains again. And uh, people are doing that all over. I mean, it's not just in Browns Canyon; the entire length of the river. People are utilizing the tracks for recreation. And so it's, it's like everything we do in America. We, we do something really good and, and we have to make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And we get to the point where we have a problem. And so you talk about if you could afford to have just a tourist train, probably not a problem. But we know that's not it's going to be much more than that. Absolutely. I, I think tourist trains would be great. The reality is. Um, even the Colorado Mis uh, Midland Pacific Railway, again, the subsidiary of the Rio Grande, cites that it would cost over $250 million to rehab the Tennessee Pass Line. The only way that's economically viable is to have many other trains um, coming through to offset that cost in addition to oil trains going over the Moffett um, through the Moffat Tunnel, and Reed brings up a great point. Um, the Arkansas River, I think it's 103 or 104 miles of it, is the gold medal water fishery. And I don't have the, the um, there was a report done by the state of Colorado. I, I don't have the right in front of me, but it's estimated that the economic impact from the Arkansas River from fishing, rafting, um, both private and commercial from um, just south of Leadville all the way to Canyon City is upwards of $100 million. So that's the annual economic impact of, of tourism and recreational use. So that's what you have to balance with the um, with, with a lot of rail traffic, plus as Reed cited, all the, the railway beginning from Leadville to Canyon City, all of the, the you would have there'd be a lot of infrastructure um, that would have to take would have to be installed to take place just for all these trains to pass through this region. So can, should we bounce back to the Soloviev interview for just a second? Uh, back to what they were hoping to present to the Union Pacific. Um, they were presenting the notion of four general goods trains, uh, mostly grain, uh, in fact, entirely grain in the fall. Um, those four trains would be relatively short trains, probably 100 cars. And uh, they would therefore be able to go only during the wee small hours of the night and hence not disturb the the tourist train, which would go through in the day. And I, I wondered what, what, what you guys are very involved with Browns Canyon. What, 
how would Browns, would that really work for Browns Canyon? Or, I mean, that was their general, general idea of a Soloviev and those guys. Well, my question to them was, what do you, they're not going to turn around and, and send those train cars empty back to, to the, to Kansas or Southeastern Colorado. Um, how are they going to, what are they going to fill up those trains with? And, and we have seen studies uh, forest about the, the effect on uh, all types of wildlife fisheries by trains and it, and it's generally not good. So, so you've got a situation where um, in Browns Canyon, you know, those animals that need to get down to the river to drink maybe that might be a problem. Uh, and again, I, I'm skeptical that anybody who proposes something, they're going to propose the least something for trains. Well, yeah, but we all know that four trains isn't going to make it. So I'm very skeptical about what they said about just having four trains. And then and, and running them at night. Right. Yeah. All, all the people, I got friends that live right on the river. You guys live, on, I mean, along the tracks and you guys in town. Can you imagine those whistles blowing four times a night? Going to wake up a yeah, lot. Well, I like it, but that's the, but that's, <laughs> but the real fan community is a very tiny community you know, compared to say, as you say, the fishing, fishing community or the rafting. Uh, community and uh, well that that's that, that is really that is really interesting uh and of course Soloviev never got a chance to he never got a chance to really present his ideas at all they the union pacific just shut him down they were not interested in this his idea of a mixed you know of a, of a mixed tourist train along with the the others however uh, when he decides to buy a railroad, he does buy it. I, I'm sure you're aware of when he got uh, very upset with the railroad companies in, um, well, in, in all of, of eastern Colorado, really. He just went in and bought a couple railroads. He bought the old Towner line, and uh, he just calls them now Soloviev line and has bought the engines and cabooses, and he runs it his way. And um, when you've got that much money, and he does have that much money. Why, um, you know, it does change the equation uh, quite a little bit. I'm not. I'm. He's. He's not a friend of mine. But, but I'm just just saying that that, it, that that's not. What, it's not entirely, a crazy idea. Uh, Before, I think you said you had a, a number of questions specifically about Browns Canyon, and we are running out of time. So. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. Uh, Browns Canyon. What visitorship in Browns Canyon uh, is that? Has that peaked? Is it too much? Is it going up? Where is it? Uh, I yeah, that's a that's a good broad question, isn't it? Well, specifically, uh, the boating traffic has has gone up, but historically, let me point out that the the peak year for the for uh, boating commercial boating on the Arkansas was was. Um, 19, 2000 and 2001. And so for some drought and the economy over the years, the numbers have dropped, but I will say that this was, this last year was probably the most, the most boating that has ever occurred on the Arkansas because commercial use was up and private use was up exponentially. So 
Um, and, and that's not just Browns Canyon, but the entire Arkansas River. So, uh, and then you add on um, uh, the people that are fishing the river compared to, to 20 years ago, you know, it's the numbers keep rising. Uh, I know a lot of local guys uh, don't fish the river as much as they used to because it's so popular. And when they, they get up to go fishing in, in the springtime, um, dry fly fishing or the, for the caddis hatch and they leave the house at 6 a.m. and they get down to the river and there's park, cars parked everywhere. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really a big thing. And, uh, the, um, and, and as far as the interior, uh, I don't think we have numbers, but we, I, you know, we do know that uh, in the places that we're putting out Browns Canyon brochures like Ruby Mountain, uh, we can't keep the, the brochure styles full because uh, so many people are, are hiking in there, most, both, both local and you'll go down there and there's people coming in from Denver just to hike the can, hike the monument. Wow. Wow. And uh, well, and including people like yours truly, who I have to have a oxygen pack these days. And some people in our, <clears throat> dare we say this eighties, <laughs> that's that's the state of life for us and um so we i think we like that i think we like the quote handicapped unquote access that that's being put out there but that's a again a tiny community but 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 part of it and well uh mike what do you want to comment on that too from your perspective or read just spot on you're you're there's just more people there's all of us obviously are aware that live in Salida or this state that there's <laughs> there's increased traffic and I, I I was on a unbelievably off beaten track in Browns Canyon just this past year in 2021 and ran into some people from Europe I I, I was stunned to even see somebody in one of the the the, the um, creek areas and so yeah it's just overall um, it, it's seeing more use. Uh, Brown Canyon National Monument. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, how we still got a little bit of time. What would this imply? Would this imply? Okay. Is it true the BLM is talking about limiting number of visitors per day, much as what they do in Yellowstone National Park? No, that's I don't, not that's true. Go ahead. That's not, that's not true. Um, they're going through a, a process right now, which. Um, and they're asking all the residents to participate to to talk about uh, camping issues. And um, so what they are talking about, there's been an explosion of Ill illegal campsites along roads in Chafee County on BLM land. And so they're they've got they're asking for for input on people. And some of the some of the solutions are closing some of those illegal campsites and then hardening some of the others and putting in fire pits and and the big question in uh, a lot of our minds is, um, what are you going to do about human waste? And uh, so the, the big question is, and, and, and so, but there's not, there, there's no plan right now to actually limit use uh, permit wise, like they've done in Rocky Mountain National Park, or, or let's say, uh, well, permitting people, I don't see that happening even in the, in the forest either, but it's more about trying to protect what we have and trying to, to, to minimize the impact of all these new people coming in. And, and uh, a lot of that is, is 
degradation of the environment. And also when people go into these sites and they don't, they don't have a, they decide they got to go to the bathroom, um, they, they leave a mess. And, and so those are the problems that they're trying to deal with. And uh, hopefully they'll, they'll come up with a good plan. Yeah. Hey, Forrest, let me uh, pipe in here. These gentlemen have a, a meeting they need to get to. Um, uh, thank you for joining us this morning. And if you need to uh, step out of the room, go ahead. And Forrest and I will close this down. Okay, well, thank you. Closing comments, Reed? I uh, just appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I, I think, uh, unfortunately, we're going to be dealing with this for quite a while. I, I think that one thing people need to realize is there's a, there's a the planning process for this new railroad is a, is a full year and then it's then it costs another year to, to build it. And that's assuming that the Forest Service, who is still the, the, the weak link, uh, doesn't change their mind. Um, and so we're looking at, and then how long is it? So, so this has been a long process just to get that built. And I'm sure in the interim, they're gonna be pushing really hard to get something worked out in Colorado. So we're gonna be dealing with this for the next two years and it's just gonna get more complicated and, and um, people are gonna be a lot of unhappy people in Chafee County. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they will call into On the Rails here with, with their questions for us. And that's great. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you again for being here. And uh, did have we lost somebody? I guess we yeah, lost. Yeah, Michael's gone and I'm leaving right now. To, uh, All to... right. Thank so, you. Well, Reed. good. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, Forrest, this is a little different. We have, This is a little different. Yeah. We haven't uh, closed this out. And what do we have? About five minutes. Um before we say high ball and toss out the fusee. Yeah. Well, this gives us a chance to ruminate a little. Uh, isn't it interesting, all the different perspectives that we get on this show from, I mean, the real rail fan lovers, train lovers, they're, they're still, as you could tell from those questions, they still think there's gotta be a way to run some tourists through, <laughs> through Browns Canyon. And whereas the Browns Canyon founders, who we just had on this show, are they're they're pretty they're pretty doubtful about that. Or was wouldn't wouldn't that be how you'd summarize that? Well, I don't know. We had a guest here, uh, two gentlemen from uh, South Park that have the uh, pedal bikes, and I was yeah. I was thinking, oh, now that would be such a nice kind of light development for the for the for the national monument. It, you know, it's a beautiful area. That's why it's a national monument. And yeah. I'm kind of glad to hear from Reed that um, people are uh, coming into Ruby Mountain and that's where you would uh, start walking. And um, I'm not sure how many miles it is through there. Uh, is it less than five? I would suppose. Yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, oh, I, yeah, less than five, I would think. I just I thought that the the uh, pedal bikes would just be a great way to, to kind of quietly uh, ride that canyon it, without a lot without a diesel locomotive or battery locomotive going locomotive. through there again. Yeah. Anyway, lots of fun. Well, anyway, yeah. that, that discussion's not on the table. I think it was there for a while that these guys might have a possibility here, but it seems like 
I, I can't help but thinking that the surface transportation um, board a year ago when they stopped the Solaviv and the, um, there were two. Stop, stop the Solavives. Yeah, and the Solavives were very flexible. Uh, they weren't making, they didn't want to make a lot of money, but they wanted four or five trains, mostly grain, almost 90% grain. Yeah. And, uh, and but then they also, they were pretty seasonal. Yeah. They were much more a, a harvest time up until Christmas kind of thing. And then a winter almost sounded like just a, basically a shutdown uh -huh. through, the, through the winter. So, um, but, and how interesting, and they had all these ideas, but the, the Union Pacific was not even slightly interested in their, in their ideas. Right. They want, they want, and that's why they signed the agreement, of course, with the uh, Colorado Midland and God, they change their name every week, but uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, in closing, I will say that, uh, a along the lines of this Solaviv interview, and it can probably be found in the podcast at khen.org. Yep. When, when Forrest and I were doing the footwork and found out that we had a uh, interview with the Solaviv family, we were like, oh my gosh, we were so excited. And it, yes, we were. And then right at the last minute, I did a little search on, and I forget his first name, uh, the representative of the uh, of, of the 18 year old kid exactly I yeah said, we, we, we said my god he's only 18 and well he would have been 19 by then but anyway yeah yeah he was very well poised as a representative for this company but what the thing that one of the things that he said um that marked me or i took note of is he said well and we're not rail we're not railroad people we're farmers yeah. We're farmers. We're farmers. <laughs> and they're the type of farmers that do it from a big office building in New York City. In New York City. And, <laughs> and, and, and not many of your farmers are billionaires right. with a capital B. So, well, anyway, we've had, hasn't this been a fun show? God, yeah. we the railroads bring up all these different things. And, and now it sounds to me like Reed is, off to a meeting with Sangre de Cristo Electric today. And of course, that that fight goes on and on. Sangre de Cristo does, for whatever reason, they don't like wind and solar. They like staying with their good old coal-generated electricity. And they fight all these other efforts, and still are, and through their rate structure and so on. And that just seems like such an anachronism in an area like ours, you know, and which is really strange. Whereas my old area, I was on the advisory committee for a, an electric co-op up in the mountains. It's called United Power. And uh, we, even back in the day, we were welcoming alternative fuels, hoping to keep our rates so that we would uh, get more wind and solar and biomass and a lot of biomass too. But, um, it's just, uh, I just, uh, it, I just can't wrap my arms around why that should be true in this area. And I, you know, human, human beings have, how do you figure us out? I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, very good. We're kind of at the end of our time frame here. Yes. It's nice. It's nice to hear just us chat a little bit. You know, we we always we used to do this more where we just have just ordinary rail fans on here to talk and, uh, you know, to kick back in the caboose and speculate a little bit. And not to say that this wasn't great today. Well, we had two real experts on here today. My goodness, Reed Dills. I mean, he he knows the whole thing. And uh, Michael Kunkel, he knows the whole thing, too. I mean, they they were great. Well, all right. What do you think? Time to time to uh, light the fusee and toss it out onto the track and turn it. the markers around to green and whistle off and say hi, ball. At the count of three. One, two, three. Hi, ball. Hi, ball. Cahen is sponsored in part by Soulcraft Brewing, Salida's hometown brewery, offering a large selection of traditional and seasonal craft beers. Their spacious patio features cozy fire pit tables for outdoor warmth on chilly days. Fresh food is served daily at the Soul Shack food truck, featuring snacks like wings and pretzels, and full meals like sandwiches, burgers, and a delicious brunch on Sunday. Soulcraft is open daily for happy hour, lunch, and dinner.